sound of my radio voice. All right, everybody. It is Next Planet over our show devoted to sci-fi, fantasy, horror, whatever is out of reality. One step beyond. Uh, it's like that kind of show. Uh, we're also incredibly silly. John's on the other side of this, tolerating my bullshit. Hi, how you doing? <laughs> Four shows he picked. Uh, wildly different at times, and then some are so similar. Especially in how they're presented. It's like three out of, one, three out of four, and then you just think, oh, this one just sticks out like a sore thumb. <laughs> well, it's funny. A lot of this stuff kind of comes like... Uh, see, it's like these late... You know, these are all like late 90s shows. Well, one was mid-90s, but still. Uh, three of them, late 90s, and very much kind of in this Xena and Hercules sort of... Uh, Feel to them, right? It's like the afterglow. You know, like That's productive the, value. With the exception, yeah. the exception, the exception of Baywatch, no fiction syndicated TV show had as much push. Well, hold on a second. Let me rewind. I forgot Star Trek: The Next Generation started off as a syndicated show. So, so yeah, those are like the three big dogs. So everything uh, in the late '90s is basically influenced by either Baywatch. Uh, or or X Files or uh, uh, Hercules and Xena. Yeah, and I think I only of the four shows I picked, I think I actually only liked one. Yeah, I like two of them. Uh, it's so strange. You had not seen. Have you? Hold on. Have you seen all these shows before? No, I I want to say. Uh, one of them was kind of on my radar, and I knew of the of another uh, other one because it's based off a movie. Right. But yeah, I'd never had actually sat down and watched any of these. Syndicated TV is really hard because the budget was always low. They either had a has been or a never was as the leads, and uh, it was almost always shot in like Canada or Australia or something like that. So it doesn't have, like, that packed list. You know, like, the way the, the shows of the 80s had. Like, oh, they're all shot in L.A., so every week they had some character actor you liked as the villain or whatnot. Uh, it's not like that with these shows. Well, it's like two of these, I think, well, as you know, I think three of them are Canadian productions. And it kind of, again, I, I'll bring up... I'll, I'll, bring up the Xena and Hercules thing again it kind of seems like you kind of see the, the difference between production value at that time because as cheap as the you know Hercules and Xena shows were they seem to have a lot of talent behind them right that uh, that the Canadian and nowadays uh, shooting in Canada you know go and shoot a show in Vancouver and it looks really good you know watch those uh CW superhero shows and they surprisingly you know they do a really good job on them but at this time these things are cheap as hell and they look at and it's you know high concepts but no budget behind it to actually make it work so which one do you want to start off with uh let's go with Ella Hunter Okay, the one I couldn't finish. <laughs> I tried. Oh, I, I remember uh, when this was on, and I got kind of interested in it because it's basically an Indiana Jones Tomb Raider thing. But God damn it, I was bored. And I like Tia Carrere, I think. I'm not sure. I feel like she's only good when she's a straight person in a, in a comedy. 
Well, that's the thing. Is, this I, this is the one of the of the four I liked, but it's very obvious that they shot it all on a back lot, uh, and it's like, I mean, it, it's it feels very the numbers, but it's notable because they're really. Think about it. How many shows do they have with an Asian lead, That's let true. alone Asian woman? And if, if I kind of want to, this is one that I do kind of want to try a few more episodes of because I really want to see if they actually kind of get behind it a little more. Right. Well, but, here's the thing: uh, is a lot of these shows are co-produced by Alliance Atlantis, or you know, they they were the big supplier for shows for WGN. And uh, they're licensing these out. I, like when I look it up on Moroku, these shows are available on like every web, or every single streaming site. Oh, yeah, I have many, many choices for Beastmaster. <laughs> yeah, and that and that's the thing. Like uh, this one, yeah, was one of the first ones where he kind of had that list. I went Relic Hunter. I remember that. I don't think I ever watched it, but I remember that being the the Tomb Raider ripoff with Tia Carrera. I want to see this <laughs> just to see. If I regret my life after this or not? Yeah, and it was and, fairly successful. What three years, I believe. Yeah, it it lasted a little while, and as I said, you know, it's like it's this little Tomb Raider indie Indiana ripoff. It, you know, it really felt like it needed as a especially as a pilot. It kind of felt like it needed to be more like a ninety minute pilot because they get through things way too fast. Like every puzzle in this, uh, you know, you know, hundred, you know, five hundred year, uh, thousand year puzzle, is solved so fast that really no one solved it before this. <laughs> yeah, it seems like a mythos kind of thing they should have built over the entire series. Yeah, and I did one of my notes. I did enjoy at the very beginning. It's like the Nepali people in five twenty three BC speak great modern English. Oh, ridiculous. Well, that was the first yeah, John. Oh, sorry. Oh, I got super early. But yeah, but it, it, like this, like the little little item in this is that it's a uh, bowl that never runs out of what you need. And I do have to say, it did have a little surprise twist for me, because you know the you get to the you get to the monk who's got the bowl and he's gives it to this uh, guy who hired our hired our uh, our. Oppositional uh, Tomb Raider guy, and you know instead of like, oh, it belongs to the museum. It's like, no, this thing exists to give you what you need. This guy's need is greater than you just wanting to put it in a museum. And I was genuinely kind of surprised at that because you think, oh, it's the guy's got a greedy, you know, greedy need. It must be, you know, greed is bad. So, you know, why would he get this thing? Yeah, you know, you know, always tell these shows are kind of cheap and they have bad sets is because there's no scope. They never pull the camera back. Everything is in a very close shot, and you know, the editing is usually a shaky move. You know, whatever to make it seem like there's a lot of movement going on, but there is. It's just someone uh, moving the camera around. Yeah, and this one did have at least one attempt at scope, but it's such a bad, you know, bad matte painting yeah. where it's just. Oh look, we have we're we're near this uh, statue of Buddha, but it's turned on its side, so we and we couldn't tell that at first. And, and the martial arts in this, the action sequences are more reality based. And when you watch Beastmaster, they're really silly at times. Yeah, oh yeah. Uh, but 
I will say this. This is one of the few shows that that we watched that didn't have excessive amounts of uh, slow motion for oh, no reason God. whatsoever. And the pervert in me goes, you know, after what, thinking about those ones, and then this one, I'm going, but why not? Slow motion Tia Carrera running in that shirt? <laughs> I, I feel cheated now. The uh, I, This was start of the wave, though, because I think the first syndicated show with a girl uh, as a lead was another one of our shows, The Raven, but uh, it was Tomb Raider, or not Tomb Raider, Relic Hunter... Uh, no, duh, Xena, I'm sorry. Xena was the first. Then we had She Spies and stuff like that. Legend of the Seeker had a female lead. So it was kind of like the next movement away from just the stereotypical, hey, he's 35-year-old white guy as a lead. Yeah, and is it that, I think that alone kind of gives us a little bit of an edge out of, out of what, we've, what we've got here. Because, I mean, as you said before, you know, we, we did look at Highlander the Raven, and that does have a female lead as well. But it also is a spin-off of a, another show. So Which I felt like I knew. established character. Let's just jump right into let's that Let's do that one. one, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. I, I've seen a few episodes of the Highlander TV series. I have no idea who she is. I don't know the context. I feel like I made a mistake. But at the same time, I feel like it wouldn't have helped me be more entertained. I just... Uh, the only thing I find interesting is I like... Uh, Tori Higginson, who gets killed off in the first episode, she's a Canadian actress. I kept seeing a lot during this time period. Well, it's like, actually, I have like characters. I loved uh, Patricia Gage's character, Lucy, the uh, the older lady. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, she uh, was good, yeah. Are, she's, she's, like, so fiery and stuff. She's great. But, oh, my God, this thing. I, I was sitting there going, you know, I'm starting to write, like, the Matrix vibes, and I'm like, no, no, no. This came out in 98. Matrix didn't happen, so I guess it's Blade. No. No, no. <laughs> uh, is the Crow vibes are yeah, strong? Yeah, that's, that's all I can see is Crow vibes. But, seriously, like, there's just... It opens up with this uh, robbery that she's doing, and it is the worst robbery I've ever seen committed to film. And I... It just... It, put a bad taste in my mouth and then it just i found this badly acted like uh, oh our our leads our leads accent is all over the place like she's having this heavy accent in the very beginning and then it kind of feels like she gave up and i can understand she's a moral she's like 1200 years old that you know she would keep an accent you know her natural accent when she's talking with her confidant and then maybe drop it for you know, around the normies. But, uh, no, it just kind of, it fades in and out, and then she just gives up on it. Yeah, I remember when this came out, and I was like, oh, this will probably be a big hit, because Highlander's huge. And uh, and then it got canceled after one season. I was like, I wonder why. And then I watched this, and I go, oh. Because it really doesn't dive into the mythos very much. It, I mean, maybe it does in further episodes, but I couldn't get past I don't think I could ever watch another episode. This one was just so dull. No. It's more of a heist, buddy comedy, or not buddy comedy, buddy action, like whatever. It's like Silk Stockings, but with immortals. <laughs> yeah, and what's what's fine about this is, I could see this being a decent little, uh, you know, caper thing. You know, it's like a just you know events in this thing lead her to uh, want to go straight, and I could see that being. The, the concept for a TV show where it's a thief helps a ex-cop uh, 
solve crime. Yeah, but it was done better the year before. John Woo had a syndicated TV series out of Canada called Once a Thief. That isn't great, but it's a lot more entertaining than this. Never heard of it, never saw it, but yeah, that... Again, it could be... It's one of things. And it does have the corrupt cops uh, (laughs) sweeping this whole... uh, You know, like, one one of the the villains here is a corrupt cop, and once it's, you know, everyone kind of stops him at the end of he gets killed they just sweep it under the rug and it's like yay police corruption <laughs> isn't it so great that yeah. we have been uh, the other lead in this is Paul Johansson who is doll as dishwater in this he's handsome he's pretty he's got a square jaw but um, I think he was used to better effect about eight years prior to this in the second season of Parker Lewis Can't Lose did you ever watch that show no I oh. I've seen that reference so much, and it just it was. I never watched that much TV. Oh, my TV whore back then. But he was the owner of the really cool 50s diner in season two, and he's good as the straight man to their ridiculous behavior. But when he's the lead, oh my god, I'm so bored. Yeah, it, there's just so much about this that probably could have been good. And I've, you know, I keep hearing that the Highlander, the the TV series itself was good. Yeah. I mean, hell, they made a... They spun it off into one of the main films of the franchise. Yeah, and eventually and we should, we should uh, definitely watch some of that and see what the hubbub was about. I think I watched the initial pilot and a couple episodes down the road, but most of it, I just knew it because of Endgame, yeah. Yeah, and I, gen, to be honest, the only things I know really about the Highlanders, I've seen the four films. I... No, I've seen the original. I'm pretty certain I've seen Quickening. I don't remember if I saw the Renegade cut or not. I saw the third one theatrically and had no idea what the hell was going on. <laughs> Me too. And then, and and then I saw the the fourth one when I was working at uh, Hollywood Video years and years ago. But it's like I've seen those things. I can barely tell you anything that happened yeah. in any of those. Which, which I'm surprised you didn't know there's a part five that went straight to video. Well, straight to sci-fi channel, then video, called The Source, where um, Duncan finally gets his conclusion, but it's in the post-apocalyptic future. Of course it is. Yeah, and there's there was an animated series, there was a video game, uh, and just like, it's just weird. It's one of these franchises that just wouldn't die. Um... Yeah, so I, I would say yeah, skip this one. The problem with a lot of these shows is they look so flat and they're barely lit. I mean, Canada already is kind of cloudy, <laughs> and they're not helping themselves any. But what I think in uh, the other show from that was shot in Canada but with American production behind it and in Sam Raimi's name is American Gothic, which is more influenced by what was going on with X-Files, and there's a little bit of Twin Peaks in there. Um, you, didn't, you didn't like this one? Oh, that I didn't particularly like this one. I thought it was okay, but it's, you know, like you mentioned Twin Peaks, and basically American Gothic is kind of, what if Twin Peaks was played 100% straight? Yeah, like, it's, it's no also very really cryptic, weird. but I love Gary Cole's performance. Um, I mean, I'm always down to watch that kid. What's his name? He was in the Fast and Furious movies. Oh. One of them. Uh, Lucas, Lucas Black. Lucas Black. I like him. But um, it, it, I felt like I was not getting enough in that pilot episode so that I needed to... Well, also, we watched it in the shittiest way humanly possible. 
<laughs> you and I watched it on YouTube in this weird yeah. warped, sped up with a white spot in the middle. So I, mean, I would like to see the series in its yeah, original it... form. Um, I did watch the episode years ago when it was first on because my roommate was a huge fan. With uh, Bruce Campbell was like in the fourth episode, and that's why we watched it. Um, but I just remember it being like, I get it, but I'm not into it. Yeah, and part of it's like, I yeah, Terry Cole's performance is great because he plays a very good villain. I like and I hate the fact that they basically just straight off the bat, you know, Gary Cole's the villain of this. Yeah, because it should be more ambiguous at first. Yeah, yeah, I, I, you kind of wish that he, you know, he might have some menace to him, but you don't know this. But yeah, it's like right off the bat, oh, he's a bad guy. Holy crap! And then it's, you know, like the first episode reveal should have been, you know, oh my god, he actually, oh, he's a, he really is a bad guy. He, we just thought he was a dick, but no. <laughs> but instead, yeah, it's just, you know, some sometimes mystery is good. I mean, I, maybe I have a bad memory for this, but I, when we were long ago, we were talking, uh, did that episode about the Twin Be- Twin Peaks revival. Yeah. And I th- if I remember right, I mentioned during that, because I, I seem to remember watching the, I think it was the international pilot, and I think they tell you who killed Laura Palmer in that. Like, you, you get a, kind of get a clue to that, or it fairly, fairly straight put out there. Because I seem to remember who did it, and then kind of going into it going, oh, this is an interesting thing, because they're trying to figure out who killed it, and I already know who did it. Yeah, I imagine, why would you watch, why would you watch this if you hadn't already seen that whole arc? Yeah, it's, I don't know. Well, yeah, it's like, I get, you know, it's like, and I found that fascinating, but here, like I said, it's, you know, it's not, not revealed at the end, but it's revealed, like, five minutes into the show you can't you can't play your villain card you know if you're having a mystery that early yeah I can't remember if they I feel like they slowly reveal that he's possessed by a demon or something like that and they have ghosts and stuff like that and it's supposed to be they just like on the edge of paranormal um, not like full on the way X-Files is but there's like just kind of a southern uh, ghostly thing going on yeah. I can't remember well, it's, yeah, and it's it's Southern Gothic, and that's and that's kind of an interesting take for it. And you know, yeah, it if I could find this in a way that's not sped up, you know, one and a half percent or one and a quarter percent, whatever, whatever it was on YouTube, that would be far more interesting. Yeah, and uh, uh, the four series is uh, the one that I've seen pretty much all of. I was really into it when it first aired. Uh, Beastmaster, I mean, mind you, I like the first two movies. I, I don't really care for the third one, but um, it just seemed like one of those casual... It always aired Sunday mornings just as I was waking up, like at 10 o'clock in the morning. And so I would just eat my breakfast, watch something I didn't have to think about too much, and I kind of just got into the comfortability of the show. No, it's not high-minded, and the pilot sucks in comparison to the rest of the show. I've seen the whole thing, and I rewatched it. That's why it took me so long to get ready for this, um, is because I got caught up in watching it so I started skipping through and just watching two or three pivotal episodes per season and man do they build that world they do a brilliant uh, for syndicated television which is notorious for being lazy 
over the three seasons, they they, they they start this whole thing with alternate timelines, and we have Dar from the movie comes in in season three as a different version of Dar, who's you know much older, and they work together to find out what that thing on their hand is and how it binds together and find his lost family. There's there's a hidden city that they have to find, and that's where they've been trapped. And it, it's and they got wizards and magicians, and, and, and it's I think it's a lot of fun. Watching this first episode, I regretted nope. all my choices in life that led me to that point. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, I know. I watched it going, oh, fuck, this is not what I remember because there's too much slow-mo. There was a ridiculous kung fu. That thing where he puts his leg up and like a fucking hammer point, I don't know what you want to call it, and he just jumps in yeah, the air. But, I was like, no, 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 don't do that. Those, well, so, the, I, one of the worst things I will give this is it has that cold opening where it's like, Oh, the, you know, these people are uh, taking our villagers and all that, you know, that, that crap. There's no reason for that to be the cold opening where it just, you know, he, he does this cliff dive and the slow motion and the bad effects, which I can forgive the bad effects. Because it look, it actually feels like a lot of their budget went to the set and costuming. I, you know, it actually genuinely looked like they took time in the pilot to at least make people look pretty good and and have uh and have actually have some sets that look pretty you know pretty decent yeah and and, but, and of course they over the years by the time you get to season three they have all these sets and all the costumes they've had before and they just reuse them in different ways so they spend more time on more realistic uh, believable fight sequences i can't believe mark singer in his mid-50s pulled off a really good sword fight in the first episode of season three but it's 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 not as I feel like there's a weird Matrix influence. I know that there's not a lot of wire stunts and, and you know, leather and stuff like that and techno music, but you can kind of see the influence of what was going on at that time in movies, martial arts-wise, on Beastmaster, which makes it seem so silly, especially in that pilot. And, like, Daniel Goddard just... He's a wooden block emotes better than he does in that first episode. He does and get he better. Jackson well, he's Ray. a soap opera guy. He was on Young and Restless for, like... I think like 1,200 episodes, and he is stiff as hell. I think a lot of it is because he was so uncomfortable. How would you feel if you're just running around in your underwear? But by season three, they give him better pants. They actually give him like more than just like a banana hammock, and uh, they give him a vest well, and stuff like that. Is, so he's not completely like out there. Well, he need it, that's part of the thing is he's wooden and stuff like that because he doesn't seem to have any confidence in it, and it's like he's not a bad you know he doesn't have a bad physique or anything. But it's like he doesn't have anything there, so he just kind of like, wow, yeah, I I really want to continue watching your adventures, buddy. I mean, Jackson Rain tries at least. Yeah, yeah, I just don't, I don't think find I, him very good in it, but he's at least trying. Yeah, I say season two, I'm gonna watch it all over again because I really enjoy it. But it it is start off pretty rough, and I was like, oh, I like this show. And then you know, in season two, they add Emily DeRaven. She was a little blonde girl from Lost. Um, she's like a mischievous. She's kind of like a Mister Mixoplitic. Yeah. How do you say that name from Superman Mix- Mixoplitic? Uh, can't remember. But she's oh like, God. yeah, yeah. I, But she's like yeah. a mischievous. I'm not gonna try right now. This <laughs> mischievous little amp that uh, like she caused all these spells to challenge uh, Dar, and of course the Monica Schneer from uh, uh, Waxworks Two, which is what I know her from. Um, yep. She's, I, I gotta tell you, her storyline gets a hell of a lot better, but she's stiff the whole way. She's another one of those uh, soap opera style actresses. But I, the villain, 
Um, have you ever seen The Wizard with Fred Savage? Yes, I have. Is yeah, it... the, the villain is the uh, announcer from that. Okay, that's what I was going to ask. Because I was like, that sure looks like the guy from The Wizard. The, the, the Wizard. Yeah, he's the... Uh... Welcome to Video Armageddon. <laughs> We're displaying a new game, uh, Mario Brothers 3. Yeah, I, I thought that was the same guy. But yeah, um, yeah, and then they add, um, I don't think it's Gina Holden. I can't remember her name. Uh, Marjane Holden, who is uh, more of a stunt actress, kind of like the way Zoe Bell is. She uh, excellent stunt actress, but I think she's a competent uh, actress as well and, and then she becomes part of the team in season three and i really enjoy her too i, I would say maybe uh skip you know i want to watch it and i'll tell you which episodes where it starts to line up better okay i mean it's well, free it's like, so. it shows that it it's a show that i totally think does you know can stand on its own feet like the movies i did not un, until i started watching i didn't know there was a third one but uh they're, you know, at least the first one is good-ish. Uh, yeah, <laughs> well, I, I really enjoyed it. it <laughs> well, Don Coscarelli yeah, really does something special with it. You know what's so ridiculous is we have a franchise built off a book series that has nothing to do with sword and sorcery times. It's set in a post-apocalyptic future, and the kid's affected by radiation, and that's like why a, he can talk to animals. Yeah, Andre Norton's book is totally like a different. Navajo kid or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's so strange to turn this into the second movie. He, uh... He goes into the future, into 1991, to save money on the budget. <laughs> uh, yeah, but it's like, this is a concept that, you know, it's like, you, you put this on Netflix or uh, HBO, give, you know, those resources could actually make this uh, this sword and sorcery thing actually work, because it's, it's a pretty, it's a solid concept. Yeah, I think it looks gorgeous. Have, the, the scenery he, in Australia is unbelievable. You just gotta have people behind it who actually have faith in it, because that's that's the biggest thing with all of these is that no one seems to really have that much faith. You're right. Them. Well, that's that's why Hercules why and Xena were successful, and the other ones weren't because clearly they were just cash-ins. And so you had like the Sinbad show, the New Adventures of Robin Hood, um, Conan the Barbarian, which was goddamn awful. Holy fucking shit! The Conan TV series is terrible. Um, but this one, it seems like it was coming off of that wave, and they were trying just a little bit harder. It was on for three years, and it does have somewhat of a following. Yeah, and, yeah, it's, is it, these, technically, all of these, I think they kind of remade American Gothic, or at least there's another show with the same, with the same title. Really? But, uh, all of these can be redone. It would be interesting to see how, uh, because we don't really have any Indiana Jones-ish type adventure stuff. No, we've Let's tried a few times, but it's always been so expensive. It's, yeah, it's, it's always been a failure. But it's kind of funny, we're looking at Relic Hunter and Beastmaster, and they're almost at the end of the syndication run. It dies off around 2003, 2004. Yeah, and I know they've been trying to remake Highlander, the, the film itself. It's like... Again, another thing where you can mine very interesting stories from because what the hell do you do when you have all of all of uh, it, you know all of eternity you're immortal and you've got assholes who want to cut off your head so they can get your powers. Yeah, well at least you get your Netflix queue taken care of. <laughs> yep, not chopping off any heads today. Let's see. <laughs> Let me catch up. 
Yeah, it's like, these things all have, again, Southern Gothic's always fun. Hell, we had how many, what, seven seasons of True Blood? I've never seen it, Shit, let's get another people behind, uh, what's it called? Uh, Get the people behind American Horror Story to do it. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, Ryan Murphy. You know, yeah, it's like, these things can all be redone, and if you put the time and effort into it, actually make make some interesting new con- new-ish content. Yeah. Um, so I guess that's it for this here. I don't know what we'll do for our next episode. Um, anything you want to say before we go? Give Relic Hunter a shot. I... Of the four, that's the one. That's the one I, I'm holding. Uh, since thumbs up, I guess is copywritten. Digits up. <laughs> um, two soul, it's up, right? And, uh, no, the three are free on like all the web, all the streaming sites because they're from the same company. Uh, but American Gothic is one. I think you're going to have to just go uh, buy the set because the YouTube quality was god awful. Yeah. Not good. <laughs> Alright, that's it everybody. Check us out on Facebook under Video Night and check him out on Twitter as Musician M O U Z I S H I O N. I feel embarrassed. I said Video Night. I meant to say next planet over. Video Night something else. Forget <laughs> I said that. Goodbye. <laughs>